What's up, podcast fam? Welcome to episode 45 of the Rebel Matters podcast. Thanks a million to everyone who got in touch and for the reaction to last week's podcast with the TPM lads. It was the very first live recorded in front of an audience Rebel Matters episode at It Takes a Village. You can go back and have a listen to that there after this if you haven't heard it already. Massive shout out to Aoife Niwari who sent a message to the Instagram account and is listening to RMP Down Under in Alice Springs, Central Australia. It is great to have you with us, mate. And Gurukhead Milamwagov also to Kiva and Oshin up in Belfast who sent me down a big black bag of Coke de Cork, which is a brand of coffee from Ethiopia. That's it there. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into it. I've got a bag of 3FE coffee, which is very, very tasty that I'm working my way through at the minute. And as soon as that's done, I'm going to get stuck into the Coke. So, Gurumilamwagov, the Coke coffee is made by the Coke Cooperative. Let me tell you a little bit about the guest on today's podcast. It is a sit-down conversation that was recorded in the social space in Ackley in Cork City Centre with Claire Sands. Claire is a musician who plays many instruments, a composer, songwriter and also music therapist. We recorded this episode just a couple of days before Claire hit the road and went on tour in Europe. So it was great to catch her before she headed off on that there. We got to know Claire a little bit last year through being at a few of her gigs. Originally, I think my brother Carver got to know her and then he said to me, you have to go and see Claire Sands when she's playing in Cork, which she was um, playing in the Spalping Fanac, which we talked about a little bit about during the episode. Her first album is called Join Me at the Table. It's on Spotify and um, you should go and check it out. She's played at loads of festivals, Electric Picnic in the Cork Opera House in the ANEC and also in the National Concert Hall. She's played by loads of famous people, like Imelda May, Shane McGowan, um, Monday, Finbar Fury, Luca Bloom, Jack L, Albert Hammond, Susan O'Neill, Chris Trevor, Mary Coughlin, Mick Flannery, and John Spillane. Loads of people. And just taking this from her website, clarasands.com, but Sean O'Rourke on the RTE called her a raising star. Hot Press says an impassioned voice and musical genius on stage and unique force in Irish music. So that's probably a good place to start with the introduction for Claire Sands. During the episode, we talked about how Claire ended up in the music business business in the first place. Her work in music therapy, the new CD that she has coming out, the Basement Sessions. Sorry, it's out already. You can actually get it right now on her website, clairesands.com. And we also talked about how to support independent musicians and singers a good chat about bob dylan spotify vinyl and lots of other stuff so i think you're really going to enjoy this conversation there's a lot happening down in cork at the minute we're full steam ahead with the palestine community gym project that we have on the go and the goal of that project is to open up a community gym in the ida refugee camp in the west bank in august there was a good few alternative eurovision events on last week when the Eurovision Song Contest was being held in Jerusalem we had the Song for Palestine karaoke event which raised about 300 quid in plugged record store above the Roundy in Cork City Centre we had the Songs Against Apartheid up in the Dunkern in Belfast Alone Moor and the Move for Palestine event as part of the Fel Nagligini Gorma up 
in and around the White Rock Road, which were all class events. So thanks a million to everyone who went to those, everyone who supported them, and also everyone who organised them. The next fundraiser for the Palestine Community Gym Project is going to be Retro Sweat in Ackley on the 15th of June. There's going to be Legra, Headbands, a live DJ, and some Jane Fonda and Mr. Motivator videos probably blasting up on the wall through the projector screen and it's going to be a bit of crack so come down to that in Ackley on the 15th if you want to support it and take part the big event that we're organizing for this project is the gym jam which is happening on the 20th of july it's a saturday it's going to be a full day and a full night of all kinds of music entertainment and food and just all around merriment to that'll be the think i think that'll be the big the last big push for the fundraising and to get this project across the lane we've got about 12 grand in the bank already and we'll have to get 30 by the time the gym jam comes around so we need all the support we can get if there's something that you can do to help us out with this project just get in touch with me and you can also go to the gofundme page which is www.gofundme.com forward slash westbank gym if you want to find out a little bit more about what's happening in palestine uh, here are some personal stories from me from the time that I was over there last year and also some first-hand experiences and accounts from Palestinians. Then go back to episode 41, 32, 26 or 21 of the Rebel Matters podcast and you can get a little bit more stuck into the... a little bit about what's happening over in Palestine and kind of connect with with what's happening over there and then hopefully you can get on board and support our Palestine Community Gym project because you'll see that it is a very worthwhile cause and a really great project to get behind. And just before we get stuck into the conversation with Claire, remember you can support this podcast by going to the Patreon account. Patreon is a platform where you can support independent kind of artists and people who are creating content and stuff like that there. And it's a nice way to get a direct connection with people that you are digging what they're creating. So not just for the Rebel Matters podcast, but you can go on and see if there's any of your mates on Patreon and support them as well. And if you feel like making a bit of a contribution towards the production cost of the Rebel Matters podcast, it can be as big or as small as you want to, then you can do that at patreon.com and you can find the Rebel Matters podcast. There are other ways you can support the podcast as well. Like and share the podcast around and tell your mates about it. And of course, just keep on listening. I love hearing back from people who are listening to the podcast. So touch base through the Instagram or Facebook Facebook accounts if you want to. And um, it'd be great to hear from you. From here, it would be great to hear from you is what I meant to say there. Anyway, Shaolin, let's get stuck into this conversation with Claire Sands. Buen soltas. Where, where are we going to start? About our weekend's mischief oh, yeah. activities. Yeah, well, we did have a good weekend at uh, It Takes a Village and 
it was a very nice festival. It was beautiful, yeah. Missed your gig on Saturday, how did it go? It was great. The first one, not so much. I know everyone always says, yeah, the two gigs were, they were fantastic, but one of them wasn't, uh, and the second one was brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe that would be a good place to start, actually, because so how uh, I guess how we know each other initially is that uh, my brother Carbra went to see you, you singing last year at a festival, I think. Yeah, I think it was all together now. At all together now. Yeah, it was at all together now. I think so. Yeah, and then <laughs> they're all a blur. <laughs> <laughs> then I went and caught your gig in the spot in Fonac last yeah. year, also, or was that this year? Last year. Last yeah. year, which yeah. was class. Yeah. So. That's kind of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, is like making sweet, sweet music. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and teaching and music therapy as well. So that's the day job, I suppose. And oh, so then, music therapy is your actual day job? Yeah, that's what I'm doing now this afternoon, yeah, up in the Cope Foundation. It's very interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Class. Um, yeah, I think, you know, people think when you're a musician that you're just like <laughs> hanging around, sleeping and uh, making tunes, but... Yeah, it's it's handy to just take gigs and concerts that I want. Like, I'm never under pressure because I'm making money through, I suppose, teaching and the therapy and stuff. Um, and some gigs. <laughs> How did you end up in, in the music life in the first place? Yeah, um, basically family stuff. Like, my, I'm sort of like a seventh or sixth generation fiddler, I think. So it was unavoidable, unfortunately. Seven or six generations? Where, where, yeah. where are your family from? That's the Sanses in the north are all fiddlers, songwriters, singers. Um, and my mom's side actually are all piano players and singers as well. So it, there's quite a genetic bloodline there really of, of music. Um, and yeah, I think I started the fiddle when I was three or four. Yeah, I think I've, I've a tiny little fiddle at home that one of my students has at home. So, yeah, I started quite early. Like. And were you playing mostly trad? Mostly trad, but then started classically uh, training, I suppose, um, which definitely aids you, for sure, in other genres of music. So what was um, your path then to where you're at now through the music? Yeah, so loads of classical violin, started picking up the guitar, started songwriting, and then did a degree in music and Italian in UCC. Music and Italian? Yeah. It's a good combo. Uh, it was. Yeah. I mean, I haven't minded, you know, heading back and forth to Italy for the last few years at all and being able to speak the language is great. Oh, you can speak Italian? Yeah. Class? Yeah. I'll give some words at the end. <laughs> so <laughs> Teach you some course words. Words of wisdom. Um, yeah. So that, that was sort of the path, you know, a lot of traveling in between and yeah. And now I'm here. Now, how would you describe your music now? I don't know. It doesn't really fit into like any particular like yeah, genre, does it? That's or? sort of my problem a little bit. Um but I don't I don't think I want to fit into one genre. In in one way it aids you covering so many genres. Like so this recent EP, I suppose, the first track is um like Bossa Nova meets Cuba. It's loads of brass, it's mental. And then the second one is sort of big orchestral strings and nearly like a folk song. And then it goes into strict trad with brass. So you can you can send them out to radios and you can, uh, I suppose, like it got its first spin yesterday on Radio Nogueltica. And then tonight, you know, it might be, um, I don't know, some hipster Dublin station or something covering one of the other tracks. So it's good in that regard. Um, but it is hard for sure a bit for festivals to box me. Um, what I would call it really is uh, like there's Irish trad at the core of it for sure 
um, and it's all fiddle orientated combined with jazzy chords. One thing that struck me during the gig that we went to at the Spalbing Fanock is that your like own personal interests come mm. out in a lot of the songs like yeah. Surfing Up McClure yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah Join Me At The Table yes. as well seems to be like <laughs> just like seem to be like personal journals yes sometimes yeah they definitely the songwriting is all personal there's nothing made up at all um, yeah I mean Surfing Up in Clare was definitely one of those weekends that I can't remember down in Clare and the Join Me at the Table song about gambling with the with the Flannery brothers is the same. So, yeah, you might as well go and experience and then write some tunes about it. Is that a conscious decision that you made about that you're, the things that you were going to create, that it would be quite like true to your own personality? No, actually, it, yeah, not conscious at all. Uh, I'm normally a bit more guarded, um, but obviously that's a way to express what I am feeling Um and I suppose when you sing it on stage, unless you know me, you don't actually know whether I'm making up the stories or not or whether they are true experiences. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting way to document everything and document your life in your early 20s or whatever. You know, in the music industry, would it be fair to say that a lot of the time people are making music to try and fit hmm. the expectation that they feel people have of them because they think that's what's going to be popular yeah and less people do say like well fuck this i'm just going to do the thing that yeah is coming out for sure I, i think that's the way it's been for the last while but i think it's changing i mean a good example of that at the moment is that band uh fontaine's dc you know it's like grunge in in irish accents and you know they're like doing so well at the moment um and I, I, like I presume they never thought that that would be in the mainstream. So I think people can just do what they want these days and just find their own platform. That's actually a really good point. Um, something we were talking about that with a few people at the weekend at the at a Texas village. When you look at the acts that they had there, mm. like you've got Junior Brother, who's basically yeah. singing in a carry accent. Yeah. You had Kojak, yeah. who the Dublin accent is mm. coming through. And then... Um, mm. Nisha was there, my brother, and with, through kneecap, they're obviously mm-hmm. singing all in Irish and with Belfast accents, yeah. which is like a major, I guess, departure from that thing where everyone was kind of singing in like a neutral or American yeah. accent. Yeah, I never understood that. I've never done it. I just never understood it. I, I can understand why people would do it. You know, when kids are listening to the radio the whole time, a lot of them are actually singing in these English Ed Sheeran style accents. And I get it. Uh, and a lot of the music we do listen to is from the States, you know, of course, and this, the shows we watch in TV and everything else. But there's uh, maybe it's Irish Republican pride in me or something. But definitely I want to, to sing in my Irish accent. Like I am proud of it. Yeah. And um, do you remember that um, Duke special? Yeah. yeah. When he was making music that was and great. it came out, that was kind of like one of the first times I can remember shit, someone's like singing yeah. and like in a proper Irish accent. Yeah, yeah. It's come not trying to hide or yeah. put an accent on. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, that's yeah. good. It's kind of coming coming the whole way through. I, I, think, I think that so, yeah. you look at like the exposure that kids have to like the TV, a lot of the mm-hmm. time it is American accents. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is frightening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I understand it, but uh, it's frightening. <laughs> so how is it going so far, like as a as a fully full on professional musician, like touring, trying to get gigs? Yeah. And how, like, what's that life like? 
It's really busy, to be honest. Um, I think it's busy because I do a lot of session work and a lot of recording work. Like I seem to be playing with an awful lot of bands on either electric guitar or violin, which is great. And it it interests me. I do get bored very easily. Like So I was telling you about the gig tonight with a Midwestern swing band. That's mental for me. Do you know, I never thought that I'd be doing that sort of playing classical and trad violin. But um, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's the old phone now. This is my phone now. <laughs> that was actually Alex. That was actually the Midwestern. That's <laughs> what it's going to sound like tonight. That was Alex Sampson ringing me from America. <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> Kel, ring him back. <laughs> Should um, put him on the microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's busy for sure if you keep yourself involved in lots of different projects. It's, I've done a few podcasts with people who are working as professional musicians and it is a notoriously difficult industry to make your way in. You're going to have yeah. to split, the, yeah. split yourself between doing gigs, creating new music and being a hard ass and dealing yeah. with people who are trying yeah. to flip and mm-hmm. get every ounce out of you yeah. for gigs. You do grow, you grow quite a, a, a hard lizard skin, I suppose, um, which I, it's nearly unfortunate in a way. It's good. Like you really do become much stronger in this industry, but it does sort of transcend into your life and into relationships and everything else. Like you do become this sort of slightly removed, hard person. Um, and I know that people have to do that in careers in general. Like if they're the head of a business or whatever, you do have to be hard and not take any shit. But it's it's sort of a pity that that does come into your real life as well. Uh, quotation marks. Um, yeah, I've, I started quite young, like out in the road. Like I was running around New York City playing the fiddle when I was 18 or 19 and you really, it would put hairs in your chest. It really would. Do you have like a manager or a booker or something? Or how, do you, like, how do you work? Yeah. How, how are you set up? Like I, I have in the past. That I, I am working with someone now for sure. Um, But a lot of the stuff I'm doing myself, you know, um, and just through people that you meet and people helping each other out and stuff like that. But um. I don't, I don't want to start working with the wrong person and I, you need to have so much trust in whoever you do end up working with. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's been people, but I'm like, I don't think you know anything. So no. <laughs> That's like the, the annals of history are like marred with all those big, massive blunders that yeah. bands and stuff have made where they trusted the wrong person. Yeah, and they, so. yeah. You're, you're your own. I mean, like I trust myself a lot of the time and for sure it's great to get advice off people and have people help you out. But until, you know, you find the right person for you in whatever that means, you know, these days, so many people are just doing it themselves. I mean, at that festival, talking to anybody, everyone's just doing it themselves. You know, it's changing. The world is changing. Absolutely. And also, another thing to, I guess, mention from the Takes a Village Festival, which is like one of the first festivals of the year. Mm. It's quite a small festival in mm. comparison to like the likes of Body and Soul and stuff like that. But there was, it was like a melting pot of a lot of the young up and coming Irish. Yeah, acts for sure. Yeah. That were there. And yeah, that was one of the things that, that I liked the most about it was that everyone yeah. was just kind of milling around until five o'clock in the morning talking and swapping ideas. I don't yeah. know how many like collaborations are going to come out of that festival. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the fact that people were just chilling out with each other. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, for, it's for important. the weekend. It's important because you see these names on posters and whatnot. And uh, it's actually lovely to actually get to sit down and talk to everybody. Do you know um, whether you can remember the conversations or not? is a different story, but <laughs> yeah. it's important for sure. And there's quite a, there's a, you know, Irish music is at a really good point at the moment, like a really good place. Sorry. 
um, for sure. Like that festival was testament to to what can happen. Who did you listen to when you were growing up? Uh, <laughs> loads of trad. Rodrigo and Gabriela. Do you know them? The Spanish guitarists. Yep. Uh, a lot of Irishy stuff like Maura O'Connell. Uh, a load of Bob Dylan. So much Bob Dylan. Um, and then a load of, I suppose, American bands like Led Zeppelin and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so much stuff. That's so much mix. music. Do you have a favourite Bob Dylan song? Bob Dylan, yeah. uh, Buckets of Rain always springs to mind. It's beautiful. But have, have you seen Bob Dylan playing? I have, yeah, twice. And I'm going this summer to him and Neil Young. And I like can't even sleep thinking about it already. I do, love him so much. <laughs> and what do you think? But I went to see Bob Dylan a couple of years ago. It actually just popped up on my yeah. um, social Where did media you see him? feed just yesterday. It was two years ago yesterday yeah. in the Free Arena. Oh, yeah. I was there as well. You were? Yeah. What do, you want, do you want me to tell you the story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Go for it. Okay, so... Oh, God, I never thought I'd be, like, telling this to the world, but... Uh, so, yeah, that was the three arena. I got the bus up from Cork, right? And I had a really, really bad flu that morning, so I took loads of, like, anything I could find. Sudafed, whatever, like... Heroin. Uh, heroin, <laughs> everything. Got up, had, like, two small bulmers on the bus. Like, I was grand, do you know? Uh, got up to Dublin and... We had a bit of a, a wee smoke and uh, again, I was grand and we went in to, to get a bite to eat and I just said to the fellow I was with, I said, man, I'm feeling really dizzy. Like, And I got up to go get sugar, get a Coke and I literally just collapsed on the ground, right? Whoa. Like I've never, ever collapsed before or been unconscious or anything, but I smacked my head off the tiles in Supermax and split my head open. Just right? before the gig? Before the gig. And I woke up you know, I just sort of blacked out and I woke up and they'd called an ambulance and I was like, there's no need for that. But I wasn't making any sense. Like, and they threw me into the ambulance and they're like, come on, we're going like we have to stitch up your head or whatever. I was like, I'm not going. And I started like singing all these Bob Dylan songs to prove that I was like still with it or whatever. And they were like, we would not advise you to get out of this ambulance. And I was like, I don't care. And I just got out and I walked to the tree arena with like my bloody head, like totally concussed. So at the gig, I can't remember much of it, but my subconscious did kick in and I took out a copy and I started writing all these little notes on all the songs, you know, like Buckets of Rain featuring Pedal Steel. And I woke up the next morning back in Cork and I was just out of it. Like I was so concussed and I didn't even know. Um, It was only that I went home that evening and my parents were like, what's like Claire? what is going on with you and brought me to the doctor and then they were like yeah you have a concussion you're fucked <laughs> but uh i'm looking forward to seeing dylan that i'll hopefully remember this time it's interesting because it, the there is a big debate about bob dylan how yeah. he is now like he must be like 77 or 78 yeah. or something He's old, years uh, old now mm. and i remember a few years ago my dad would be a massive bob dylan yeah. fan mm. and one thing that actually really strikes me about how much of a Bob Dylan fan he is, but in general about how music has changed and our perception of mm. albums and stuff is that like he can name off every Bob Dylan album, the mm. order of the tracks, what's mm. on the cover, who mm. took the photograph of the yeah. cover, what what um, what record label made yeah. the uh, mm. album, what year it came out, uh, what's on the B side, yeah, and all the lyrics for all the songs. Yeah. Whereas we don't really have that anymore now. We're, Albums no. aren't. I think we're we. I mean, we talk about this at the weekend actually, but like the albums, yeah. you're telling a story about an album, yeah, 
if, if an album is a story from start to finish, yeah. we've kind of we've kind of broken that stream because you can just listen to one track and then skip off onto yeah. some other album or something yeah, else on Spotify. I hate that. I hate where it's gone, and I sort of hate Spotify. Do you know? It's so handy. To be fair, I use it every day, like every hour. But I hate that music has gone so impersonal. Actually, you know, it. it I think it actually is coming back a little bit because of vinyl. Um, but yeah, you'd look at the cover and you'd spend a good hour looking through the sleeves and reading everything. And it would just, uh, it would really, you just gain so much knowledge, you know, in, in regards to the musical world and the artists and whatever. But it's just people go on now and listen to an al- album, like listen to one track and then sort of shuffle through the rest of them, you know. It's more disposable or something. It's totally disposable. And it's, yeah, like... Yeah, I hope it comes back. I hope it comes around like, full do, circle. Do you listen to vinyl now? Or? Yeah, I have for years. Like, uh, now it's gone cool again. So I'm <laughs> claiming that I, I caused the the refrigerants in Cork. But um, yeah, I love it. But I, I have some vinyls that, that I got from my dad. And actually, that was my first record player over in the corner there. But I have another one oh, yeah, in, the, in the house now, like a, a bigger yeah. one. And yeah. The thing that I was going to say there, when he went to see Bob Dylan, he was writing some articles for the paper and the headline that he had on his review of the concert was Dylan's back because he just kind of sat at an angle to the crowd Mm. and just came on stage, did his Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Loads of the songs were probably not that recognisable in comparison to the versions of the songs that we would know from the recordings that were made in the 60s and the 70s. And the same thing, actually, whenever I went there two years ago, Loads of the songs, I didn't recognise them until maybe a good bit in. For yeah. example, I remember Tangled Up in Blue came on. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know that he was singing Tangled Up in Blue until yeah. he just said Tangled Up in Blue. And I think loads of people were on the same boat. They're yeah, like, oh, yeah. this yeah. is Tangled Up in Blue. And everyone yeah. became very happy. Yeah. And then the kind of discussion was around, well, what is this still, still Bob Dylan or what's the mm. story? And mm. my take on it is that he, they're his songs and Hmm. he created them, he can mm-hmm. do whatever he want with them. Exactly. And I he's 78 agree. years old. And yeah. if I was 78 years old yeah. and I was still doing something to that level yeah. that he's doing it, it'd be like, mm. happy days. Yeah. it. People always, every time Dylan plays, there's a massive thing in the papers the next day. Oh, he was rude. He was X, Y, and Z. Um, like, people need to get over themselves and realise that he is not 20-something playing in Greenwich Village. It's like don't think twice is all right it's not going to sound the same and it shouldn't like you know that that would show that he's not developed as an artist at all and people need to realize like like it's his gig he can do whatever he wants it's not to make you happy you know you're the one i suppose the bought ticket you're deciding to go to it it's his gig he can do what he wants so i'm totally on for bob dylan fucking up his songs as much as he wants you know it's it's interesting. And it shows he's not a jukebox as well. Yeah, like, like, imagine how boring that would be if he just came singing like Tangled Up and Blue the exact same way. You'd be like, Jesus. You know, like, for like 60 years, yeah. you're still singing the same songs in the same way. Yeah. Have you read his uh, autobiography? The Chronicles? Yeah. Yes, it's oh, actually it's over there somewhere. So I can see good. it from here. It's, it's so um, good. He talks a lot about that, you know, and how he's just getting bored and it's really good. There was a similar kind of, I guess, outrage you could say when he started doing more electric yeah. uh, electric music yeah. people thought he was like uh, yeah. abandoning his yeah. what he was about and then also what well, the thing actually you can see it there see it it's over yeah. there, the second one in there oh I see the, it yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the thing 
when I was reading that book, I was like, I can't, it's Chronicles Volume 1. I was like, I can't wait for Volume yeah. 2. Yeah. I'll finish yeah. this one as fast as possible. Yeah. I'll go straight down to the bookshop and get yeah. Volume 2. And there is no Volume 2. No. no. <laughs> Hopefully he writes that someday. But yeah. another thing that really struck me about that book was that people were uh, all the time looking for meaning mm. from his songs and yeah. also mm-hmm. putting him on the pedestal where he was like a kind of political mm a protest singer mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's interesting there because a lot of the songs are kind of political statements like yeah. masters of war yeah and things like that or even the times they are changing mm. they were like anthems for change really like or sure a, a, yeah and it's, it's interesting because when you watch some of the footage of him he's like no yeah it's like they're just i get there. i get yeah that book really opened my eyes in regards to his songwriting process i suppose and what i noticed about the book and his frame of mind was that he just sat for years listening to records, taking it all in, like Hank Williams, all these jazz giants. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, he's regurgitating a lot of it. And of course, I mean, that goes back to the argument whether authenticity exists in creativity in general, but he, uh, he was just taking it all in. And I think just because of the time that he was alive, he was just taking it all in the Vietnam War, you know, all of this stuff that was going on at the time. And, you know, if if he was if he was going through that period of his life in the seventies or eighties, then he probably wouldn't have had the same effect, and we wouldn't be talking about him now. Um, but I think he was just talking about what's going on, just like a lot of people talk in their songs at the moment about what's going on. Like nearly, you know, Nisha and uh, Liam, isn't it? Like, you know, maybe because it's such a common thing now that people are talking about change and blah 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 that they're not like stalked like Bob Dylan was, you know. But maybe if that was 50 years ago and those two young fellas were writing about like what was going on, they would be in the same boat, like people showing up at his house in New York and losing their shit about him. I don't know. Do you get what I mean? Something that I have noticed mm. with the kneecap lads yeah. and it's been really nice seeing how they've dealt with it is mm. that because they're treading the line between reality and mm. fantasy, mm. that people seem to be quite curious about how much of their songs are true and what are their what's the meaning behind some of their songs yeah and when i did a podcast episode with them Mm. back a good few episodes now they kind of said that they left that the interpretation of songs was left open to the listener Mm. and i've actually heard someone else i can't remember who else that was that was talking about that now, but it was someone who was a good bit older and quite famous that said, like, that's the beauty of a song, really. If mm. you're leaving it open to interpretation, if you if you if someone comes up and says, Here, does this song mean XYZ? Yeah. Yeah. And then they've built up all their connection with that song mm. on it meaning XYZ and you're actually like no it doesn't mean that mm. it means something totally different then yeah, you're like, yeah. kind of like they're broken then <laughs> and then yeah. maybe you're, you're like they're losing some some sort of connection with the sure. song so yeah it's a good point how do you write your songs or is you have a process or uh, yeah someone asked me this last night actually as well in the Cork Arms have you ever been there it's I've been there once mad gaff it is mad this is it on um, McCurtain Street. Street yeah and there's a pool table in the back and there's always a load of owl fellows that are just sort of twisted but are good to talk to. And you can 
choose tunes on the jukebox. It's just great. But how do I write them generally when I'm traveling? I find is always the easiest way because, again, you're just observing new things and new people and new experiences. Um, I haven't written in a while, like, and I generally need to be, I suppose, having experienced something to write about as well. Do you know? I wouldn't just pick a book and write about it. I, I have to sort of go through it. Um, I'm sure I could, but I don't. I don't really want to do that. Um, yeah, that's how I do it. Mainly traveling. Like, um, I was in Morocco for all of January. I always head off for January, just like far away <laughs> to these dangerous countries and. Uh, I rode a lot there because I had nothing else to do, like, do you know? Um, there's no bars, there's no drink, but there's nowhere to even go in the evenings for women. It was, it was very, it was a bizarre experience. Did you go there by yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit hairy, I'm not going to lie. It was fine most of the time. And if you're in with, with the people, like like in any country, you know, in, in Cork as well, if you just walked up to a group, that everyone's going to be wary of you. But I did get set up with a group of Berber musicians when I arrived in Marrakesh. Um, and that was great. I was one of their own. I played amazing music, learned amazing music. But then I was on my own <laughs> for for the rest of the traveling. And like my time in Morocco ended up with me telling a grown man on a bus that I was going to break his arm and then kicking me off the bus. <laughs> so, yes, these experiences are good. Put hairs in your chest as well. I was in Morocco one time whenever I was about 19. We went over for, we were actually in Spain. We went over to Morocco for a yeah. couple of days trip yeah. and it was myself and another fella hmm. and then six of our girlfriends right. went and oh, wow. yeah. they did say before going over there not like for the girls not to wear like sleeveless tops yeah, and yeah. low-cut tops sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. And we went on the official tour the first day where we were getting shown around. The second day then there was a guy who was after kind of latching on to us like here I'll give you the unofficial tour if you mm. want to come with us and mm. we were like oh, okay he seems dead on we'll go with him he brought us a tour mm. around these like shops and markets and stuff and yeah. flat out getting followed around by other people trying to yeah. sell you stuff yeah. and then yeah. and we were like we were skint yeah. like like 19 year old students like yeah, not yeah. hardly a flipping tenor between us and mm. people were trying to sell us these rugs and yeah. blankets and drums and everything and then uh, we ended up in this carpet shop and <laughs> who ended up carpet they were like right sit down sit down no no no, we're okay we're okay and we were like they think we have loads of money to buy loads of carpets so like let's just try and get out of here because we're skint anyway we ended up all sitting down and then they were getting us this tea and I was like that tea's gonna be poison Mm. we're gonna poison this we're gonna wake up next week somewhere and then but then the the girls were like looking around the shop and the guys were coming up really close to the guys and from the shop yeah. were coming really close to them and yeah. I was like we need to get out of here yeah. and I was looking for an out and then just fortunately the guy who was carrying all the mint tea down the stairs fell and the mint tea just smashed everywhere and I was like right cut everyone out <laughs> and we just like all legged out just like legged yeah. around the shop straight away yeah. but it was kind of like a tense enough yeah. um, situation at the time see that thing about travelling and like writing there do you think that much of that has got to do with when you're taken out of your day-to-day routines that you have more space yeah. for creativity 100 percent. yeah you, you there's always if you're based in cork there's always something to do or people to see and you you just have work here and you can't take a day to go writing really i can't anyway um so yeah when you're in morocco for a month with limited internet and you're trying to like hide from all the men that are following you all of the time you will write you know um yeah, I, I wrote a, a a banger of a tune. I'll call it a banger of a tune. It's a funky, 
mad yoke and then there's a trad violin solo in the middle it's mental so I'll bring that out in the summer but um it's it, it, you know it, it was an amazing experience and the color and everything is amazing and I definitely learned that if you have an instrument musical or music is just uh, there's no barriers between any culture any language any religion it doesn't matter like if when I had the fiddle on my back walking through the markets I was everyone's best friend you know and people would invite me into those carpet shops and at the start I was like I'm going to fucking kill all of you if you touch me <laughs> <laughs> which I think you probably could kill them I could yeah uh, hopefully yeah um, <laughs> but yeah then they just gave me mint and it was lovely do you know you have to go with it as well and not be scared yeah there's one guy we were walking past whenever I was in Morocco I remember he's like where are you from we're like Ireland he's like Jockey Arla! Yeah, yeah. Straight from it's the market. Yeah, yeah, they know a phrase from every country to sell you stuff. It's great. You know, they're the ultimate businessmen. For sure. That is true. And actually, I was going out with a girl at the time and she was there and I got offered like 15 camels or something for her. <laughs> I should have taken it. Yeah, I had a few marriage proposals, right? Like from these, you know, 60 or 70 year old, like overweight men. And I'm there going, like, what do you think I'm going to say, you know? <laughs> but it's like, it's a joke, like, over. Are they serious? Are they One of them was serious, on, on a serious note. The guy that I told him I was going to break his arm, he was just so intense. It was mental. Did he, was did he propose mental. to you after you said you were going to break his arm or before? Uh, before. Then I said I was going to break his arm and then he still, like, wouldn't take no for an answer. He was inviting me for dinner and for, like... He didn't get off his stop on the bus to like just, I don't know, accompany me to the place I was going, which is so freaky, you know. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of that in the last few days. Just because I was going north to Spain, so I had an awful lot of traveling. I just looked at the map. It was like a Father Ted <laughs> scenario, like Dougal. And I was like, Spain, near. <laughs> OK, <laughs> like you can just go north. I'll, I'll get there. Yeah, what's the story with uh, music therapy? How did you get into that? Uh, I just started volunteering in this place in the Cope Foundation and uh, then they were like oh we'll, we'll give you some money and I was like great <laughs> um, I just yeah I, I saw some videos read a little bit and then just said I'd try it so what it is I suppose is it's a session with adults with intellectual disabilities um, so a lot, you know a lot of them can talk and they can move but they're restricted for sure um, and it's like a retirement community and I go in and give them loads of percussion instruments. I've learned all their, like for people with Alzheimer's or autism and stuff, I've learned their favorite songs from their childhood to, I suppose, break through to them. Um, and yeah, we just sing and I get them percussion and uh, a couple of instruments and it's therapy in itself, really. It's not that complicated, I suppose, but it definitely works. And what kind of know. response do you get to it whenever you guys start? They're just so about? happy. Do you know, and I'm not, this isn't a placebo effect for me by any means. They genuinely are, do you know? Um, and it's actually the favorite part of my week as well. Do you know? It's so nice to, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're both getting something out of it, like the clients and me, because just to play simple songs and have people so happy and engaged. I mean, the room, when I go up, like, they're so excited, you know, every Thursday, half to three o'clock, um, and so eager and, and willing, you know. Um, music is a powerful tool, for sure. That's class. We, we actually have a bit of a connection there, because the kids that we work with mm. from the Rebel Wheelers Club, okay. 
they're also based in the Cope Foundation on oh, Saturdays. They? That's where they have their club days. And then we okay. work with them right. during the week. But I can really relate to what you're saying there mm. about it being sort of a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. Like the kids that we work with, yeah. it, sometimes I think we get way more yeah, from, yeah. from it just love us, than yeah. they do just from seeing them, yeah. you know, progressing so much yeah. and making these breakthroughs and doing things yeah. that they maybe didn't think that they would have been able to do yeah. before. And yeah. the thing about the music therapy is fascinating because there are some... Uh, documentaries and stuff yeah. on yeah. Netflix, I think. I think of, there is, yeah. The, the the guy, Corey, I think it was his name, the guy in the nursing home. Yeah. And, uh, and he hadn't, I think, spoken in many years. And um, look, it's, you know, it's like talking to a wall in many ways, like in regards to, it's just so underfunded. You don't hear of music therapy a lot at all. <clears throat> and it's the one thing that 100% works like because you know with music you're activating every area of the brain and it's the only thing that you activate every every area of the brain that you can do um and you know like it works for people with alzheimer's especially uh autism actually you know it sort of breaks through it takes a while but it does um it just gives people a sense of purpose and you know they're remembering it's there's cognitive functions it's just everything it works <laughs> and it seems to open up an area of the memory that sometimes maybe yeah, locked off exactly yeah 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 you just have more um more of a chance of breaking through because you're activating i suppose the emotional centers of the brain i you know i don't know the exact scientific terms but um you just have more of a chance of breaking through and you're getting your sort of daily dopamine dose as well during that hour and of singing and I imagine there's, a, there's a, an element of like connection with another person that yeah. say if you're coming in and mm-hmm. maybe they're like kind of, of course, sitting by themselves yeah. for the rest of the day or yeah. not yeah. really communicating that well like yeah. music is a, a form of communication I suppose yeah it? like there's one lady up there and she hasn't come in like she didn't come in for the first few months that I was there at all and then I went down and started doing a private session with her like she's extreme uh, or severe I suppose uh, autism and her family told me songs that she liked so I went and learned them like you know my, my favorite things from Dana and all this sort of stuff and then she started singing you know like simple as uh and she comes to the session now every week she might not last the full hour for sure but when I start singing her songs she's like singing away in the corner seems to be something about going back to an earlier time for people mm. when they're older yeah or having like these like um like people with dementia or Alzheimer's, I remember our Aunt Lily mm. was living in a, a nursing home mm. on the Springfield Road for the last couple of years of her life. And whenever I went to visit her, she would say, I was down the road earlier getting, I just called in to get a perm. Yeah. And like she had been yeah. in a nursing home <laughs> for the last year. So <laughs> Stephanie wasn't down the road getting a perm, but yeah. it just seemed like she just went back there and was kind of quite happy yeah. and stuff, which was yeah. kind of nice thing that she yeah. was uh, able that to kind nice of thing. go back there. Do you think yeah. that music is undervalued in society today? Um, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody loves it, but, and it's just so common and it's everywhere that people don't actually value it in many ways. Like people complain about gig price. <laughs> uh, yeah, go for it. And um, people complain about like gig prices a lot and about buying music, yet they couldn't live without it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of. It's sort of a crazy phenomenon. And but the arts in general though, are are the arts kinda like uh sort of like a, a secondary thought for the mm. government and stuff like that there. It I think seems so, to be like yeah. the art is kind of one of the main things that yeah. gets a yeah, kick yeah. in stones whenever there's there's I think set, it, it always has been, in. hasn't it, you know? It always has been. Like, why is that like? 
I don't know because it's because it's everywhere maybe you know um yeah and because there's probably you're not guaranteed to make money in it whereas if they invest in Facebook or something they probably are going to make money do you know yeah. I get it but you know I'm sure that you know like the t-shirt goes home and throws on some tunes <laughs> you never know <laughs> maybe not yeah. Listen to this. yeah yeah <laughs> what kind of music listen to it earlier <laughs> send us a message to Rebel Matters podcast Instagram <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know it's the world is mad yeah seems to be like when I think about that 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 thing about um being uh the arts being undervalued, it seems like the investment goes into things that make have more of a, a short term or a more of immediate mm-hmm. profit. Mm-hmm. Whereas the things like the arts are what really keeps people yeah. together and functioning and healthy or even things like yeah. music therapy is something that like a method of like communication that brings a benefit that no, nothing else can bring. Yeah. That yeah. it's more but of it's more of a long game and sometimes you just don't see the value. Yeah. And it, it, it even like if you want to go back to college, I suppose, and do a master's or a PhD and you're looking for funding in the arts or in music, you are generally, if you're looking, say, through the Irish Research Council, you're generally thrown in, you know, competing against psychology students and like every discipline, which is really, really hard. Like if you want to save the world through music, but somebody else wants to save the world through, I don't know, genetic testing or something, it's hard, you know, like I was meaning to go back and do a PhD since like 2015 and uh, just like obviously I can't pay you know six seven grand a year plus like to live and I've just found it so hard to try get funding and just because it's a music related would you go back and do a PhD I'm meant to be going back doing the masters in this September in UL yeah um a master's is only one year so it's less of a a hit whereas a phd you're talking like a good few years i was doing a phd years ago and it was nearly finished actually probably if i had to stay on for another six or seven months it would have had it finished but (laughs) (laughs) i don't regret not finishing it but what i did it was a research um kind of it was research based and it was on biomechanics but i really felt that the benefit that I would have to the world was in the practical application yeah. more so than like being in an academic yeah. setting. So yeah. that was a big part of the reason why I left it and just kind of set up the yeah. set up backline stuff because I, yeah. I wanted to get into the practical side of things. Mm. And I know people who are doing PhDs. I mean, it's a tough slog. Mm. And it seems like a lonely slog as well. Yeah. A lot of the time for people who are doing like yeah. doctorates. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a, a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, like the one I was looking at doing was half and half though it was half performance based and half academic so I was being cute about it and it's the same with the masters like it's a masters in composition and creative practice so I mean a lot of my day could just be writing a load of new tunes which would be great um, and I wouldn't mind being based somewhere else for a while I think um, especially Limerick with that lovely swimming pool <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you like swimming as well? I love swimming. Uh, you have yeah. so many things you've got going on: swimming, cycling, yeah. jiu-jitsu. I love sports. Like I, that was if I didn't do music in Italian, it would have been sports. And UCC was the second on the list. Um, like yeah. So I, I, the sports side of me is I have been training in martial arts since I was eight with the same club, um, and like got a black belt and uh, represented Ireland. Won did you three world medals? No way. Over in Italy, yeah. And uh, then started all the other disciplines like boxing, Muay Thai. And now at the moment, it's like hardcore jujitsu every day. That's really interesting because the I, I, I guess that's quite unique in a sense that mm. 
it seems that when we go so deep into the rabbit hole the way that you're doing mm. with music mm. that that can become your main identity yeah and that other things sure kind of fall away yeah like i don't think i know that many say musicians mm. uh, that are touring and gigging and writing and stuff the way that you are that also have a really strong interest yeah in other stuff or they even have the time sure. or put the yeah. time aside to, to do those other things yeah which do you think that that's you have an advantage there i seem to have no time like to be honest with you ever you know it seems to be like you know doing uh jits or whatever in the morning in the evening and then teaching or therapy all day and then having to go back out at night and do a gig and getting home at like one or two like most nights to be honest uh it, it definitely becomes taxing but um i'd like yeah i i haven't been training for one week and i'm losing my mind like it's uh i think sports whatever your discipline is so important if you're touring and a musician. So many people, like, I, I do know a lot of musicians are just bone lazy, to be honest, and they actually don't know their own bodies and how off-centred they are, like, especially, like, violinists and stuff. That shit is not good for your neck, like, you know? People need to mind themselves. I don't know. Um, it's an integral part of my being, to be honest, Does every day. that kind of extracurricular activity must be very good for your mental health as well? Definitely, Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed it now the last week, like not feeling great uh, without training. Um, and even on tour, it's hard. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to Germany next week just for a week. But like, I've already asked them in the gym, like, give me a program. Give me a fucking program. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> just for even 10, 15 minutes. You know, it's a form of meditation. It is, you know, I don't meditate. I don't do any of that uh, nice hippie stuff that I'm going to get into but like jiu-jitsu in itself is a form of meditation your mind is off and it's like sink or swim do you know what have you got planned for the rest of the year <laughs> a lot of jiu-jitsu fight a load of people um it's it's a bit mental in a nice way I'm working a lot with uh Susan O'Neill the girl that you met at the weekend uh aka son and we're putting a master plan together to take over the world basically um, like Peggy in the brain. Yeah, she she got it going on. So she definitely has got it going on. She was, she yeah. was in that gig in uh, in yeah, the and she's like yeah. set the place on fire. Yeah, she's great, and we're very compatible as musicians and friends, and we've a lot lined up. Um, we're doing this mad festival down in West Cork this weekend called Lay of the Land, and I think what it is is it's six artists that have been living on Browhead for the last two weeks, and this weekend is like the exhibition of what they've come up with for the last two weeks. I've seen actually yeah. on your social media that you yeah. were down there. That's Carrie Cahill. Yeah. Is, and Carrie is on one of the earlier episodes of oh, the okay. podcast cool. from about two years yeah, ago. Yeah, she was the girl I was talking to, I think. Yeah. So I just like, I was going to go anyway and I just said, oh, do you have music arranged? And they were like, like, we would love if you and Susan would play in the cow shed on the Saturday, like with a load of cows. And I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> so it's, it, it's nice festivals and nice new spaces and... Um, a busy summer for sure a lot of just coming back and forth um, and touring and yeah I've just released this well I suppose it's due out in in a month this Basement Sessions EP which was all recorded in my basement here in Cork City until I got fucked out (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah not not for any wrong no no just the landlord moving back in yes yeah because I think is an upstanding citizen yes I'm nice I didn't like jujitsu his ass or anything yet Um. Yeah, so a lot of touring with that, you know, we just, I don't know, live every day, 
see how see what happens. In some festivals. Yeah, yeah, we're doing Doolin and I'm doing Electric Picnic with Susan and I'm I'm at most of them with either myself or playing with other people, uh, which is fun that there's no stress on me, actually. <laughs> and how do you manage the promotion of your gigs along with touring and stuff like that there? Like, is yeah. social media a big part of it is, yeah. your life? It is, yeah, unfortunately. Like, I think you have to, do you know? Um, like, Instagram is definitely a really handy tool, to be fair. Um, like we're doing a lot of our, I suppose we're doing our like biggest quotation mark, uh, Cork gig in Cypress Avenue in November. So in the new, uh, Cypress Avenue. So that'll be great. And yeah, how to promote it. I haven't thought about it yet. Um, but I think a lot of these things just fall into place when you're on social media, to be honest. So we have quite a few things on the go at the minute. Like there's the Ackley social media, the Rebel yeah. Matter social media, the Palestine gym yeah. social media. And I just yeah. find like it's sucking me in yeah. a little bit too much sometimes Yeah. And yeah. that. I just end up scrolling on things or checking, yeah. checking um, yeah. notifications yeah. and stuff like that. There and yeah, you know, how, how do you manage that? I try. I don't have any apps on my phone anyway, bar Instagram, and I delete it like probably every day, just during the day, and then install it at night or whatever. Uh, that's my new thing. But no Facebook, Twitter, none of that shit. Um, no messenger. Just getting rid of the apps is good, and turning off notifications, or you'll lose your mind. I think you know if that thing is beeping all day. Um, and it just hinders you in general. I think it just you just become a bit stupid. Yeah, it kind of saps the energy out of me. Yeah. Anyway. Like I kind of like definitely yeah. end up producing way less. Yeah. Actual yeah. good stuff whenever For I'm sure. sucked into it. Yeah. But it just seems to be more and more pressure on artists. I guess. I mean, it's a mm. good thing in a way that people have are after getting more control mm. over their own promotion. Yeah. And yeah. being able to kind of build up people their own reputation yeah. that's not in, in the hands of someone else who's like yeah, far away exactly. who doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But then the other side of it then is that you have to kind of balance. Yeah. Between yeah. not getting sucked in too much. Exactly. Definitely mm. happens to me mm-hmm. sometimes. All of us, I think, at this day and age. But I think again, it'll it'll go full circle. People will be going back to those Nokia bricks soon enough. Like, I really think so. Think so? Yeah. Yeah. Just like people are going back to the vinyl. People are talking about you know. People are getting mad. I don't know. Maybe it's my friend group, though, like into meditation and turning off the phone and leaving it for the day. And these steps are slowly but surely happening. And like, I know a lot of people that have a second phone, um, like one of the brick phones, I suppose. I do as well. It's my drug dealer phone. Charles Sands is not a drug dealer. Yeah. And like, <laughs> use that for the day, you know? Yeah. And then check your whatever. Yeah. That's funny. Lisa Flynn said that yeah. she has a brick phone as well as she brings to yeah. festivals and stuff, just Bad. so it's easy to communicate yeah. with people. And festivals is dangerous, hey. The stuff I saw that I was throwing up over the weekend, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, my students are going to see that. It wasn't. You oh, know, the social media? Yeah, just one or two Instagram stories, like, you know, at the sort of raves at It Takes a Village, and I'm just there, like, happy out in my sunglasses and Nisha's hat, and I'm like, oh, God, you know, don't put that in the internet, Claire, you know? It was fine. It's gone within 10, 15 seconds to some other cloud, but... Yeah, no, uh, I know what you mean. There has been a couple of times where yeah. I've been at, like, house parties at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, yeah, and like, I don't know, you're, like, singing some song, and yeah. you can't even hear yourself, yeah. and then someone's taking a video of yeah. you, and then you're like, that's, oh, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I actually knew the, I suppose, the were still awake on the Monday morning it was someone's story TPM or something like you were in the background singing and Roisin and Mern were holding onto the couch and it was like <laughs> four hours ago like 8am or something you know, it's funny like yeah. you, there's no hiding what else could we go back to if we were going like reverse the clock and go back to some like analog shit what else would there be that would be a good thing to go back to god I don't know books in general I suppose 
books. <laughs> I got a Kindle actually recently. Did you get a Kindle? Yes. For traveling or what? I was so anti Kindle for the last few years. It was an irrational hatred of them. You I, know? I think I have an irrational hatred for them now. I had one. Yeah. And really? I got rid of it. Why did you get one? You know what? Like, just looking at that bookshelf, most my bag, I'm traveling, I must be traveling every month, and it's just books in my bag. And I can't, like, I just have to leave them wherever. So I got one when I went to Sicily a few weeks ago. And, like, I love it so much. I've read so many books, more so than I ever have. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's easier at night because it sort of has that, like... Nighttime reader thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm just flying through the books. It's so handy for traveling. In fairness, that it'll fit in your pocket. Um, you can't beat a book and having the dog flaps and like, you know, highlighting words and whatnot. But in terms of traveling, I'm just I'm able now to put in three extra pedals or whatever and more CDs because I'm not bringing three big massive books. Like maybe I need to open a door for the Kindle again because the reason yeah. that I gave the Kindle away that I had was that. I just love giving people books. Yeah. Or if I yeah. read a book, then have it here in the gym so that somebody else can yeah. borrow it. And yeah. with the Kindle, you can't do that really. I do love that too. Yeah. So I was like, I can buy a book yeah. and then read it once and yeah. then I can sit in there and I was just thinking, this book could be sitting on a shelf yeah. in Ackley and somebody may pick it up could change their life. Yeah. So I was like, that's worth that's having a, the book. Yeah, for but sure. for travelling though. Oh, it's so handy. Um, Yeah, it, <laughs> it really is. Like... I went to Sicily recently. I was doing this like picking lemon thing, and if actually I, picking lemons, yeah, yeah. And if I picked the lemons, um, they'd give me a bed and uh, food. Is that like woofing or something like that? It's yeah. it's this website called Work Away, but Work Away, yeah. I, I did it a few years ago, and I've went back every year since because your man's a black belt in jujitsu and a drummer, so we just got on really well. And he literally lives in this villa with a load of dogs, and I just go and pick the lemons and do some farming, I suppose. And on the way there, I read this massive book. I just, you know, it was along on a fight and bus journey, whatever. And I was so happy to have the Kindle because, you know, I'd read this book and I would have had nothing else with me. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I, I'm starting to like my, my rational hatred is, is no longer there. You're breaking my rational hatred down as well, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. I know for traveling, for sure, it just definitely has got its advantages. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's class. So you're farming as well? Farming, lad. Yeah, 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 yeah. My my mum's side are all farmers from Wexford, so I've pulled a few lambs or the sheep, right? Have you really? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah, it's not nice. Like, I haven't never pulled a lamb out of a sheep, but yeah. a few years ago I was travelling down to Ballymaloo cooking oh, yeah. school and yeah, just yeah. did a half a day volunteering on the farm down there cool. just to kind of reconnect with food. It's yeah. such an important thing as well. Yeah, it is. Just yeah. to kind of build connections with food that are probably broken. Yeah. That's coming back as well again, isn't it? Like people are starting to plant their own stuff and the way it should be, you know. Like people get so consumed with like having to work the nine to five and like just forgetting like the important things like, you know, connection and music and like planting your own food and being sustainable and I don't know. I, I think it'll all it'll all come back around. I'm very grateful that I haven't got a nine to five job yeah. that I need to be chained to the desk. Yeah. And then at the same time I feel like for a lot of people that is people enjoy that as well. Some people probably enjoy it, or sure. like it, it gives people. A yeah, they like. I suppose that they. I mean, you probably never turn off. Like, really, you probably. I don't know. Like, I know myself that I my brain never shuts off. Yeah, there's no there's no time where no. I say after this time 
yeah. I'm no longer on duty and that's it. Yeah. That is true. That's the other side of it. Like, you, I can be lying there too in the morning going, hmm, you know, having these ideas and thinking about stuff I have to do. And sometimes I'll get back up and do stuff. And I don't know, you probably do as well. But for the nine to fivers, that's handy. I mean, they're done at five and they don't have to think about yeah. whatever. Uh, um, I feel very, very kind of grateful and privileged that, that, that I'm not in that position just personally yeah, because I me don't too. think that I would yeah. be suited to that. No. Um, then... Yeah, that that is that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe we should start a commune. A commune? Mm. Maybe. In actually a, a, a cult or something a, like a that. Back there. Have you seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix? No. About Bagwan and no. Osho? No. It, it's, um it's like a six or seven part documentary series about this cult that was in America in the eighties. It's like a guy came from India. So you got and, some inspiration. Well the original couple of episodes I was like, Oh, I was like, I would like to be a part of this cult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then it kinda went all Tits a bit up. tits up. Oh, and tits up. It generally it does. With cults, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Maybe cults are coming back into fashion. <laughs> yeah. Here, how can people get in touch with uh, with your find out what you're doing? Track? <laughs> uh, the old Instagram, I suppose, is handy. Claire Sands Music and uh, website, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. But Instagram, I I put up the the funniest parts of my life. Um, you'll generally see me flipping men over my shoulder in jiu-jitsu and playing a load of tunes on electric fiddle. Spotify as well? Spotify, yes. The whole Spotify, yeah. I haven't put my new record up in it yet. Um, I probably will, but it's not up there yet. Um, what, what's been the, What's been holding you back from putting it up? Well, to be honest, a strategic move of getting people to buy the CD. Um, the CD... It actually came out beautifully, might I say. It it just looks really, really nice. And there's lovely sleeve notes and it just, it's really nice. So I've just been getting people to pre-order it if they want it. And like, there's a rake of them gone out. Well, how can you pre-order it? Uh, on, there's a link actually in my Instagram bio. Um, yeah, I actually have one for you in the car. Oh, sweet. So yeah, I've just been getting people to, like, if you want it, um, go buy it, you know, for a tenner with your, including delivery. But um, is there people doing, do people, is that a common thing now or is that an unusual thing that you're doing? I don't know. It's working anyway, for it, sure. Do you know? Like I sent them all out on Monday um, and they got, they got a load of airplay yesterday on different, um, like to be honest, I've been talking about it as well for the last two years and we released this spoken word track a couple of months ago um, with a Cork guy, actually, Colton Creedon. He's a fellow that be always in the corner house with the little dog. I'd say if, if you've probably come across him, he's a fascinating man. That if you haven't, you will love him. Um, and then we released this Malacon Reel, this trad tune, trad fusion thing that we did last year. So I have been sitting on the record for a long time. Like, um, So maybe that's why it's worked with people buying it and with radio and press being interested in it. Um, but that's yeah. a cool thing to do, though, because I think a lot of the time, are we in a culture where people are expecting the music to be free all the time on, on sure. Spotify? Yeah. And then sure. you've got this thing where we're happy to go and spend like 80 quid to go yeah. and see some yeah. like foreign, like big name yeah, yeah. singing in Croke Park or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Whenever, yeah. at the same time, your friends are making this shit yeah. that's unreal. Yeah, that yeah. costs like a fiver or a tenner or whatever yeah, it may yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people are definitely, they're just like, not everyone. But I think maybe the younger generation, it's like, yeah, it's, why isn't that on? Like, pe- pe- some people have been like to me, like, 
why is it not on Spotify? And I'm like, well, why should I have to explain this to you? Like, figure it out why it's not on Spotify. Yes, you know, it's it's like this shit costs money to make. Like, for everybody, no matter who you are, final and CDs are expensive, like full stop. Um, and yeah, for sure, I've wanted to make the money back. Like, I have through radio play is, it, it depends what you want to get out of it, but like one of my markets for sure in terms of like the the instrumental stuff um has been like radio one and lyric fm and stuff and you definitely make your money back there like if you're i suppose 100 percent, i'm leaving all my secrets in now if you're the person who wrote it composed this you're 100 royalties like you're getting like 25 euro a play like so it's you're not getting that in spotify you know unless you're thousands upon thousands of millions of streams so I don't know, people need to, maybe musicians or me in general, all of us like to sit back and go, well, what am I doing here? Like, how do you make the dollar dollar bills? <laughs> Plus side of it is if you have got a fan base that mm. have connected with what you're doing and can relate yeah. to you as an artist or that like just love the stuff that you're producing, then mm. those people are always there and willing to buy yeah. the CDs and the merch and yeah. go to the gigs. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, it just seems like because you're doing something that's so like true to yourself that mm. then you you get those followers. Yeah. That get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Here. Um, okay. Thanks a million. Thank for you. For coming to the podcast. Yeah, that was a so great chat. Then, so people can go to Instagram. Yeah. Claire Sands Music. Facebook. Yeah. Website is clairesands.com as well. Some stuff on Spotify. Some, yeah. The first album is up there. The album that I didn't know what I was doing. It's just mental. It's a load of mad tunes, but that's up there for sure. Order the CD uh, on yeah. through your Instagram account or exactly. through your website. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a nice CD. I'm happy with it, actually. First time ever. It's, uh, it's cool. Class. I think. <laughs> it's fun, lad. <laughs> Thanks, Enla. What about that? A Hartigil, Claire Sands, Gura Ked Milamigat for taking the time out of your schedule right before hitting the road and going on tour to record this episode. And I think that if there's anything that we can take away from this this episode of the Rebel Matters podcast is that we should all be supporting our friends and the people who are around us that are creating class stuff, whether it be music, podcasts, blogs, art, or anything really. It can be very easy to get caught up in spending a shitload of money on things that have been targeted at us through social media or advertising and forget that there are people right under our noses who are doing class stuff and producing really beautiful content or art. And I think it's very important that we realise the importance of that and the value of it and get behind it and support it. Anyway, that's it from the Rebel Matters podcast this week. And talking about supporting friends, I'm actually going to be heading down to Way of the West, which is a very unique and unusual festival that's happening in Lep. And it's run by the crew who are down and around Lep and involves going around different parts of West Cork on a big bus where they've set up gigs and food and it's a whole experience in itself. I wasn't there last year, which was the first year of it, but I'm definitely going to be there this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
and I'll report back on that next week let you know how it's going or how it went but until then a hard gale look after yourselves get in touch share the podcast around give us a like and a share and a review or whatever and oh yeah go and support the podcast on Patreon if you want to but if not it's all good look after yourselves a hard gale Bakey Jasmine Akela Kenny Fury Slango Foil Chucky Arla. Bye.